0: Oh yeah. Canceled Too Soon. A podcast. Podcast. About TV. Television shows. That were... That were very, very short. Canceled Too Soon. One season or less. Oh, yeah. This week on Canceled Too Soon. Black Bart. Blazing Saddles Reference. Punching Horses. Andy Graham from Mongo. Racism. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a sort of Sort of a mini episode of Cancel Too Soon. A, a little stopgap for a little treat. Yeah. Uh, Cancel Too Soon is the podcast we review television series that lasted one season or less. Uh, my name is William Bibiani. I'm a film critic for Crave Online, Blumhouse.com, and also the co host of the B Movies podcast from Whence We Hail. Uh, I'm Whitney Seibold.
1: I am the other co host of the B Movies podcast. I contribute to various websites around the internet.
0: And uh, Cancel Too Soon is a bi weekly podcast, and that's sort of by necessity because a lot of the shows that we <laughs> review or you know even one season takes time to watch and we also have day jobs and other things to review and other podcasts to do so it takes time uh, but we've always wanted to do more than that and so we decided when the opportunity arises to do some little short thing like a pilot that didn't take off or maybe a TV special or a weird TV movie that now, we find we've devoted, we might do a mini episode yeah. once in a while
1: we've devoted whole episodes to failed pilots before that made it to air uh, we've, yeah. we've pre- previously done Puczynski. Which only made it one episode, and yeah. we previously did Look Well, which only made it one episode. And if it's uh, if
0: it's interesting enough, we might do mm. official episodes about one-episode wonders in the future, but uh, I think from this point on we will probably do a mini-episode from, there, from here are. on out.
1: It's hard to fill a full hour worth of content about you know, a 20-minute pilot that didn't
0: go anywhere. Yeah, um, and this one, uh, we kind of stumbled into this one. Uh, unfortunately, uh, this last week, uh, we, we saw the passing of the late great wonderful comedian gene wilder mm. uh, you knew his work from such films as uh, young frankenstein the producers bonnie and clyde silver streak uh, see uh, no evil here uh, no yeah, evil b- a
1: bunch with richard pryor
0: yeah uh, stir crazy the adventures of sherlock holmes a smarter brother mm. the list goes on and on and on and on um, but he there was one television series he did that was the less of the season or less, called Something Wilder, there was a sitcom in the mid-90s that we couldn't find. <laughs> it's,
1: it's nowhere. As
0: yeah. far as we can tell, it's, it's not online, it cannot be ordered. Yeah, with a little Maybe, luck, someone day it'll come out, but at the moment, it's, it's, it's nowhere. I'm
1: guessing if you go to one of those like folding tables at a comic book convention that sells all these bootlegs. Oh,
0: I've looked at those tables. Oh, yeah. They did not have this, oh, this series. Okay. I would have been really stoked because I remember watching it at the time and thinking it was very
1: funny. How is it those tables haven't been shut down? Like, Twenty years ago, they're still operational. I, I, my theory is it's, it's like this weird violation playground that is allowed to continue.
0: My theory is they're like the cigarette vendors in that movie Dick Tracy, where as soon as the cops show up, they like flip the tables over and they're just selling action figures. <laughs> it's um, like action figures glued to the bottom. Yeah, there exactly. Um, but uh, so we couldn't find that. But uh, while we were looking up something Wilder, we discovered a television series that has one of the more interesting origins mm. and 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 histories. We've ever found... Uh-huh. It lasted one episode, but they shot four seasons. Four whole seasons. Ce- that that is, to this day have never made it to air? Yes. Only one episode has ever aired. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a TV spin-off of Blazing Saddles mm-hmm. called Black Bart, starring Lou Gossett Jr., future Academy Award winner, oh, Louis I, Gossett Jr. Although he
1: was only credited as Lou Gossett. So for yeah. a second, I thought it might have been Lou Gossett Sr. <laughs> yeah. No, it's Louis
0: Gossett it's Jr. It's totally Louis yeah. Gossett Jr. Uh, <laughs> and he takes over uh, the Cleavon little role. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But it, it's, it, it, that's the only common element. Well, that and the basic premise of a black sheriff. Um. Blazing Saddles, for anyone who hasn't seen it, shame on you. Uh, Blazing <laughs> Saddles one is one of the, the funniest, funniest movies ever. Funniest movies of all time. Uh, Whitney, explain the basic premise of Blazing Saddles for us. Oh, my goodness. Well... Uh, Harvey
1: Corman plays a corrupt fellow who wants to uh, scare up, scare citizens out of a local town so he can snatch it up and build a railroad through it. Mm -hmm. In order to scare the citizens out,
0: he finds a... Uh, He's also responsible for getting them their sheriff, so he technically has to do his job. Yeah,
1: so he he finds a sheriff that is so repellent that everyone would just leave town, so mm-hmm. this being 1974, racism is on everyone's lips, uh-huh. and uh, this is being the Old West, everybody's racist, Yeah, and also it's it's co-written by Richard Pryor, so race mm-hmm. is an issue. He hires a black sheriff named Bart,
0: played by Cleveland Little. Who was supposed to be played by Richard Pryor, but the studio balked. he was too edgy at the time, mm-hmm. and they thought they couldn't market s-
1: it. And I'm so glad they went with Cleavon Little. He's really good. He's he's terrific. And yeah. uh, Richard Pryor would have been too manic, I think. Uh, Cle- I, Cleavon I, Little's really cool. I've never role. seen Richard uh,
0: Pryor. I've seen him act in a fair number of things. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have trouble buying him in a period piece. I feel like he would always look like he walked in, like it was a like a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's I mean, court. Like it was a little too it's a slab, of the moment. It's a
1: slapstick film. It's full of anachronisms. Yeah. But uh,
0: Regardless of whether he, or not... He,
1: he, yeah. all, the citizenry hates him, but he proves mm-hmm. to be such a Capable, friendly sheriff that yeah. he's sort of just allowed to stay eventually
0: yeah. and he they adventu- the town. He and- eventually wins them over. Mm. Regardless of whether or not Richard Pryor would have been great, Cleavon Little definitely was great. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so he cleans up the town. He teams up with an alcoholic ex-gunman called the Waco Kid played, played by, by Gene, Gene Wilder. Wilder. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and that's... The movie. The movie is very funny. It's full of great moments. Um, It has one of the best endings in cinema history. Oh, my God in heaven, (laughs) yes. The best climax ever. It just completely goes off the rails in the most wonderful way possible. Um, And... So the story goes – I'm actually going to make sure I get this right. I want to, I want to okay. like look up because it's a complicated story. Suffice it to say, uh, Mel
1: Brooks well, – Who didn't – did has nothing to do with the creation of the show. Yeah. He well, is not executive producer. He may have given his blessing, but he is not credited on this show at all. He's not one of the writers. Uh, he did not
0: give his blessing on this show. Okay. He most definitely did not. In fact, this show was kind of made uh, in spite of him. Uh-huh. Um, so, uh, Milbrooks, okay, this is off Wikipedia, it's a quote from something else. Right. uh Milbrooks addressed the existence of, of the Black Bart series in 2005. My lawyers, bless their souls, came to me and said, Warner Brothers is going to try and take away your control of the movie. Let's put in a crazy condition that says they can't do any sequels unless they make it right away or make a TV show out of it within six months. Which is Brilliant. They couldn't make a sequel in six months, and the movie was too vulgar to be a TV show. Now it would air in a family hour if that was still a thing. Anyway, so the lawyers put that in, never thinking they'd make a TV show. In 1977, three years later, Warner Brothers comes to me and says they want to make another Blazing Saddles, and I say, no, you don't have the right to do that. They say, yes, we do. We've been making a TV series and still control the rights. What TV series? I haven't seen a TV show. They take me onto the lot, into a projection booth, and show me three episodes. My lawyers never thought to put in language that said they had to air the damn thing, only that they had to make it. So, th-
1: the show was made. Yeah. Now, th- this is a stipulation that a lot of studios go through. If they own the rights to a certain property, they have to do something ha- with it. They can't just sit on it. They have to do something with it within like a certain time frame. Otherwise, they lose yeah. the rights of the character. Usually, it's a few years. Um, this is why Universal puts out like a big action packed monster mm-hmm. film every couple of every decade or so. Mm-hmm. This is it's why like, 20th why Century
0: made... Fox keeps putting out bad Fantastic Four movies yeah, because so they can hang on to the, the yeah, rights Yeah, because otherwise character. Marvel will make it uh, and make a lot of money and they'll look Fox, like assholes.
1: In fact. In fact, Fox uh, didn't do anything with the Daredevil character, yeah. and it went to Disney. So uh,
0: yeah, in fact, in fact, they were actually in a rush to try to greenlight a Daredevil movie at the mm. last possible, like the minute, uh-huh. like the like the month before. The rights reverted And then Typical Hollywood stuff The movie got delayed And then boom Marvel has the rights again oh, This is how these they, things and happen made, And they made
1: that TV series So
0: Black Bart uh, uh, They decided to air A single episode of Black Bart Which aired uh, in 1974
1: no, Well first b- Before we get to that I, I wonder what it's like Being an actor On a oh, show no. like that Because oh, you're,
0: you're being paid Yeah You're being paid to work Yeah
1: But you know That this is only being made For legal reasons uh-huh. This is not being
0: made For an audience at all Uh Lou Gossett Jr. Jr. actually uh, uh, spoke to that. Mm-hmm. Spoke from him <laughs> on Entertainment Tonight. Okay. CBS and Warner Brothers made a deal. The deal was that CBS would get to air blazing saddles and any sequels in their movie in exchange for co-producing a TV show. Uh, I'm going to skip a bit because we're covering common ground. Yeah. Uh, the TV show was a way to keep the rights. They didn't have to air it, just keep producing it. So for four years, I spent my winter on a soundstage being paid to be in a show that would never see the light of day just so Warner Brothers could keep the sequel rights to Blazing Saddles. By 1979, they finally figured out that the market had changed and they weren't going to make any sequels, so we were canceled. If <laughs> if a show that never was supposed to air can be canceled, uh, a guy named Steve Landisberg mm. plays the... Um, the Waco Kid isn't in Black Bart, but there's a guy kind of like well, the Waco Kid, uh, played by Steve Landisberg. And he, he's like the sheriff's deputy who used to be a plant— previ-
1: A previous uh, confederate.
0: Yeah, he was in the confederate oh. army. He used mm. to be a plantation owner. Mm. And now he's an alcoholic, and the gag is that every time he's going to do something useful, he gets drunk. Mm. Um, and uh, Steve Landisberg, who ended up being on Barney Miller, which was an incredibly successful television series uh-huh. in the 1970s, Um, said, uh, it was like a joke. We did the pilot and CBS dumped it at the end of the 1975 season in April or May on a Friday. We thought it was done. Then CBS tells us to come back and film six more episodes and then another six. Six episodes each season when an order was usually for 24-26. I was on Barney Miller by that point and we'd filmed during the winter break when all other TV shows were on hiatus and they never aired any of them. It was like a sick joke. It was, if I wasn't under contract I would have walked but they were paying me so I can't complain. So it's this really well, I, weird situation. Um, and I'm trying to picture what it would, things would have been like on this, like we haven't talked yeah. about the premise like, of the show at all. But how hard do
1: you try? Well, and... do, you,
0: do you try thinking maybe someday they'll air the show? The,
1: the, is the director really trying to construct a scene? Are they using this as sort of like yeah. acting exercise, or are they just doing do one take
0: wonders? Just get it all right. on there because who gives a crap? They're just right. gonna make it. They're never gonna show it. Like it really, I, I, I seriously I, like there, there's hey. got to be a show like this. That this is actually a good idea for a TV series, or at least like about a movie a, about people making a se- something, knowing a it never that made. it's
1: never going to go to air.
0: And how hard do they try? Yeah, What's yeah, that yeah. like? They're on the lot. <laughs> They've got the talent. They've got people who are on real shows. I it's would love. I
1: would love to see something that films like on the set of like Game of Thrones or some big hit show, yeah. like in the off season, and yeah. it's it's about yeah the the show that they're making to retain the rights. Well, of they, used, the they used
0: to do this in movies uh, when King Kong was being made in the 1930s. It was such an expensive production that when everyone went home for the day right. from King Kong they used the sets for other B pictures oh yeah, yeah yeah and that's how we got a really great movie called the most dangerous game it just reused all like the, mm. the jungle sets uh, from King Kong it's a brilliant movie it just happened to film that night with some of the same cast
1: there's a really terrific i.e. terrifically bad uh, <laughs> B science fiction movie from the 50s with Zsa Zsa Gabor called the Queen of Outer Space oh which yeah was, if, if you look at it it's recycled costume sets and everything from Forbidden Planet <laughs> so, so it's like this like cheap like de-evolution of Forbidden Planet happening right in front of you. And
0: every once in a while that'll still happen. A few, mm. no, it's more than a few seasons ago now, but in Doctor Who, you know, Doctor Who is kind well, the of an B- expensive BBC the series. BBC does that a lot. BBC does that a yeah. lot, but they actually, uh, when HBO was done filming a season of their show Rome, which only lasted a couple of seasons, mm. but it was an expensive lavish production. Very BBC, expensive. they said, can you leave that up for a couple of weeks? Because we have this Mount Vesuvius story we'd like to do, <laughs> and it'd be nice to look like we had money for a change, and they did. It looked really good. Really it's a good-looking funny. episode. Um, so anyway, Black Bart oh. aired April 4th, 1975. Sorry. Um, mm. And uh, Black Bart was one of the original working titles of Blazing Saddles. Um, it was directed by Robert Butler, who had a very interesting and storied career, actually. <laughs> He's one of the best directors you've never heard of. Mm. He directed the pilot for Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. case, like the, the unofficial the pilot that was eventually turned into uh, The Menagerie. Mm. Um, he also directed the pilots for Moonlighting, Hill Street Blues, the uh, oh, Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. He co-created Remington Steel, which is one of my favorite shows in the 80s. That lasted way too long. We won't was, like cover that on the show. Um, he also directed a couple of movies including The Computer Wore Tennis Shoes and the airplane thriller Turbulence, mm. which some people like for some reason. And
1: uh, he, <laughs> it's he, not very good. He, he visited the movie theater where I work. Really? Yeah, When when we were showing
0: the computer wore tennis shoes. Oh, that's fun. I don't know That's really, really neat. So, uh, okay, so he did that. Mm. Uh, it was written by Andrew Bergman, who uh, came up with the original script for Blazing Saddles that ended up getting dramatically rewritten. Mm. Um, he also was responsible for screenplays for uh, The In-Laws, uh, Fletch, soap dish. He also wrote and directed one of my favorite movies, The Freshman, with Matthew Broderick and Marlon Brando. Mm-hmm. If you've never seen The Freshman, see The Freshman. It's fantastic.
1: I, I need to see it again, because I don't remember a lot about it. It's and
0: really... If you've never seen... The movie, also, you know,
1: I I, had, I was young enough that I wasn't really familiar with The Godfather yet, ah, so okay. the, I, I didn't get it.
0: The Freshman's a weird movie, and I'm, I'm going to make it real fast. Uh, Matthew Broderick plays a guy who goes to New York Film School, and it gets robbed right off the train by Bruno Kirby from uh, City Slickers. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and in Recompense, Bruno Kirby sold all of his stuff, but he gets him a job with The Godfather, Marlon Brando, Marlon Brando. playing the guy that The Godfather was supposedly based off of. Mm. And, he <laughs> ends, and his gig ends up being he has to babysit a Komodo dragon. It's a weird movie, mm. but it's really, really fun. Um, it was also uh, co-written by Michael Elias and Frank Shaw, who wrote the Gene Wilder Western The Frisco Kid. Oh, nice. So that's kind of weird. So there's, yeah, some weird synergy going on. Okay, so the plot of Black Bard, it's basically as as simple as you can get. uh,
1: The premise of the show is the same as Blazing Saddles, only evidently after the events of Blazing Saddles, Mm -hmm. which ends in
0: modern day, so who knows. It, but, uh, it ends in a way that it doesn't end. Suffice it to say so, uh, he's still the sheriff of the town. And the town hasn't quite accepted But him he's he's
1: not he's not the sheriff of Rockridge. Oh that's he's right. the sheriff of a new town in Arizona.
0: Yeah. It's one so, of those it's one of these things where it's hard to tell if the movie is canon or not. Yeah, yeah but just like we're taking the basic premise. He's a black sheriff in a town that is not ready for in a world that is well, not ready for a black my, sheriff. Gu- my guess is, but he's so talented that everyone just sort of has to deal with him.
1: That, well they they talked about how he had moved to the town recently so I'm guessing Bart Cleveland Little mm. left Rock Ridge because as he does and mm-hmm. went off to this new town where he meets a lot of very similar-ish characters yeah like uh, instead of the the, the Waco kid, kid he's it's, got his he's his got deputy Re, yeah. who's named Reb yeah uh, That's his first name. That's that's short for Rebel. It's short for a Confederate soldier. Right. But uh, the Confederate soldier likes him because Mm. when his uh, wife left him, the slaves on his plantation were the only people who told him about it. All the white the white (laughs) people kept him in the dark, and uh, the slaves were all honest. So he's like, yeah, Yeah. black people are all right, so he's okay working for a black guy. You know, uh,
0: and they Um, actually it's weird. They have an odd relationship. This this mm -hmm. show, like Places Else, to their credit, actually Mm -hmm. is very upfront about racism. The end where it is spoken out loud like one of the first lines Mm. is the n-word but there's also a lot of humor about it and he's talking about Mm. how we they were from he and uh bart were actually in the same area in like wherever it was mississippi new orleans Mm. and uh He's talking about like, oh, there's they had this great restaurant. You remember that restaurant? And it was like, yeah, it was hard to get reservations back when I was a slave. Yeah, <laughs> and it's actually like kind of a funny joke. No, um, uh, but th- this came at a
1: time in the 1970s, and we're going through it again now, mm-hmm. where uh, popular culture sort of took it upon themselves to undo the culture America's cultural offenses
0: of the past.
1: Yeah, uh, so. We, Bla- Blazing Blazing Saddles, we do that about every
0: ten years or so. Yeah, Blazing, we go through another harsh now, wave of it.
1: Blazing Saddles did it very cleverly and also couched it in an anachronistic slapstick thing. This mm-hmm. one's actually much more grounded and a little bit more serious. Mm-hmm. Uh, these days we have stuff like my boss's films, Django Unchained, and what like what yeah. have you.
0: If you don't know, uh, Whitney Seibold works for Quentin Tarantino's I, movie theater. So yeah, I, uh, I
1: can't really comment too much on his movies.
0: Yeah, that's but, uh, yeah, th- but, this, but yeah,
1: this is a it's a sitcom, but it's not a slapstick
0: sitcom. Yeah, it doesn't feel like Blazing Saddles. Mm-hmm. It feels like at most like a Hogan's Heroes. Or yeah, anything. that sort of thing. But it feels of a piece with it. You think to yourself, oh, this show never aired. It must be really, really terrible. It's actually the one episode which is available on the Blazing Saddles Blu-ray. It's a special feature. Yeah, yeah. they cleaned it up. It looks nice. Um it's as polished as any sitcom of the time. Like it's, it's reasonably well produced. They obviously re- shot it on a backlot Reasona- with real costumes. Reasonably,
1: but yeah, it's 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 not terribly wor- written. You can tell they're working on a budget uh, mm-hmm. and they seem not not lost is the wrong word, but they seem a little bit unfocused because mm-hmm. the the plot kind of meanders a little bit. I think Lewis Gossett Jr. is really the strongest key of all of this. Lewis Gossett
0: Jr. is really good he's, in the show. He's really good. And no, he, he's not he's known not, for being funny. He is really funny in the show.
1: And he, he's not playing uh, like, like Clevon Little would have. He's actually a lot more like Richard Roundtree. He's a little bit mm. more aggressive and a little more in your
0: face. He's very masculine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah uh,
1: yeah, Cleavon Little was, like, kind of relaxed and was yeah. sort of goofy a little bit. What's
0: weird is that Cleavon Little, like, I mean, if you put Cleavon Little in, like, a serious Western, y- you wouldn't buy it. Like, he couldn't be the leading man. He was just too affable. He Like, mm. he wasn't badass. He might even play an interesting supporting character, but he'd never be Django. <laughs> Luke Asa Jr. could be Django. Yeah. yeah. Luke Asa Jr. could be the man with no name. Luke Asa Jr. <laughs> is a serious mm. presence. He's very intimidating. And, and he brings that to it. He's very tall. Uh, um, He's not super muscular, but he's obviously very fit. And 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 he's very strong.
1: And he has a take-no-guff attitude that Cleon Little doesn't have. There's a Mm -hmm. bit where people use racist language to his face. Mm -hmm. Uh, What was the actor's name who played uh, Curly? Oh, uh, Curly was played uh, is, by,
0: I have it, I have it right now here, mm, Garrett, Graham, Garrett Graham, who you may recall from uh, Phantom of the Paradise uh, and Used Cars, a very funny actor. And, and, a, and a lot of stuff, you've seen him yeah. around. But, but those uh, are probably the two most Gar- famous Garrett things. Graham
1: plays like the, the spoiled nephew of a rich guy who uses racist yeah. language. Rich he,
0: guy played by a Noble Willingham, one of my favorite character actors. He was in Good Morning Vietnam <laughs> and Blind Fury, which is a great movie. <laughs> the, the modern remake yeah. of Zatoichi. Oh, uh, that's great. That's so good.
1: But uh, yeah, in a, in a scene, he, he says a racist thing in front. of of uh, mm-hmm. Lewis Gossett Jr. And Lewis Gossett Jr. Mm-hmm. is expert. And I see this in a lot of, you see this in a lot of uh, black exploitation movies of the mm-hmm. 70s. Oh yeah. Where they run into the white, the ignorant white character mm-hmm. and they say something and the, the black guy will just sort of like
0: be the better man for a yeah, moment. He'll,
1: he'll, for a moment he'll just sort of sit back kind of absorb the situation mm-hmm. and then and then he'll kick the guy's ass. <laughs> yeah. It's a great dramatic Or, or, or he'll say something like well, really cutting. What's really, really you, you'd cool. You see that a lot in, in like
0: Archie Bunker uh, scenes sure but like what's cool about it is that Mm. you know it's coming you know Uh lou gossett jr or lou gossett Uh is not gonna fucking take this yeah Yeah. but you're it's like the fuse has been lit and you're waiting (laughs) to see where the firecracker is gonna go off turns out he's gonna have a fucking broken nose yeah as he should Mm. because he's an asshole the plot of the episode is relatively simple um there's a there's a it's Curly, the son of like the, I think he's the mayor. Mm. Uh, he gets drunk at a bar, starts shooting people's feet. Um, gets arrested. Gets arrested, gets broken out of jail because uh, Reb gets drunk. Wow. Oh. Um, and then uh, Lucas Jr., Bart, goes off, actually gets completely screwed over. Mm. Uh, they're about to get killed when uh, the not. The, uh, not
1: the not Lily Von Stupp when The not
0: Lily Von Stupp character, who is actually... Uh, her name
1: is Belle. She's played by an actress named uh, Millie Slavin, who yes, I'm not, not, not terribly, terribly familiar with. with
0: yeah. uh, but she's she's like Lily Von Stupp. if Lily Von Stupp had a heart-shaped eye patch and was deaf in one ear. And I think he's missing a leg or something. She's, it's interesting. she's uh, and, had an interesting she's, career. And she's a
1: madam in this one. She's yeah. not just a showgirl.
0: Yeah, she's actually a madam. She runs the brothel. Um, and she ends up sleeping with an entire tribe of Apaches... Uh, in order to incur the in order to enlist them to save Bart. And they repeatedly make jokes about how she actually had sex with every single one of those well, guys. I,
1: I thought it was wasn't just her because she runs the brothel. I thought that she brought her and
0: the girls, I was under the impression but, uh, it was her specifically. Either way, that's I mean, there's a lot of fucking going on. <laughs>
1: There's a lot of fucking and
0: there's a lot of racism. Uh, and uh, I'm honestly amazed the show gets away with it as well as it did.
1: Well, because it was addressing and addressing racism directly and mm-hmm. was kind of about racism, it's okay no. to use some of that language. Oh, sure. Uh,
0: it's just it's just really in your face the, with it yeah, for a TV like, show even at the time. There was even a a, great,
1: a great bit where a, a fellow like says, uh, for a guy who has a, a I mean a di- I mean a black sheriff, like he starts <laughs> to use the racist words, but and you can just Lewis see Lugoza just like, keeps uh, giving him the uh, eye. Yeah. Uh, he comes up with a good
0: right. with a couple of good racist slurs for white people, like milk face. Yeah, there's a couple of those that was kind of fun. Which I'm sure uh, those were made up for the show. I, no, I'm now, sure they were, but they're fun. It's it's fun to see him turn it around now, now, and be and be a wait. racist to the white people who are racists on the show.
1: You 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 and I are both white guys. Yes, we are. H-
0: have have you ever gotten a slur thrown your way? Oh yeah. Yeah, okay. I've had a, uh, more than my fair share of cracker. Yeah, well, a lot of crackers. I, I and I'm also Italian, so I've had a handful of stuff like. Uh, Dago or mm. WAP. thats okay. really uncommon now, but I <laughs> yeah, have okay. had a few. My apologies if anyone's offended by our language. What are you going to do? I, uh,
1: I I worked at a movie theater where I was the only white guy working there mm-hmm. at the time, and uh, I asked all of my coworkers what what are the slurs for white people because people don't say them to me. Mm-hmm. I want to know what you guys say behind my back. I just I want to know. Yeah. Uh, just you know for sociological reasons, and all they were willing to give all they were willing to give me was cracker.
0: Well, there was a, there was a great bit with Richard Pryor and Chevy Chase on Saturday Night Live mm. where. The They were doing a word association game and Chevy Chase just kept saying the most horrifically racist things for black people he could think of. But the joke was not just Richard Pryor getting progressively angrier, but Richard Pryor realizing that there aren't enough racist terms for white people. So it it was was like honky, 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 dead honky. So that was that was funny. Anyway, the 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 plot continues. There has to be a a trial. trial. Turns out the the Bart has to be the judge as well. And he just has to sort of sit there while every single person is either bought off or intimidated right in front of him. Um, and then it all turns out more or less okay in the end. Because he's yeah, well, and, and, smart and, 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 and capable, powerful well, he, character. He,
1: he ends up bringing him to trial for different crimes and he yeah. has witnesses that have definitely not been bought off and he outsmarts them.
0: Yeah, it works uh, out
1: typical sitcom plot, kind of edgy-ish. Yeah. A, little, um, a
0: little unusually elaborate for a sitcom plot of mm. this stripe. Um, yeah. There's a lot of, maybe convoluted happens a lot, but there's a lot of it's, set pieces, it's not a lot of the, twists and turns.
1: It's not the kind of cliched story I'd seen before, so that, that really. was kind of a relief.
0: Uh, we didn't talk about uh, the the person with like one line of dialogue who ended up doing really cool stuff.
1: Which one was that? Days of Heaven. Oh, Brooke
0: Adams. Brooke Adams, yeah, uh, Brooke, great actress who was in Days of Heaven and The Dead Zone. Uh, 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 she, yeah,
1: she uh, she plays one of the girls yeah. in in uh, in the. And retinue of prostitutes and,
0: Yeah She and just yeah, has she, like one line She has one line she, she, she like
1: passes by the camera And says oh it's good to see you And then she's like Wait a minute That was I recognize her That's Brooke it's Adams Brooke Adams Weird yeah, Her character's name was Jennifer
0: Yeah so never. Nothing ever happened with that character What are you gonna do Maybe she was important later Maybe she was in a whole bunch of episodes And we'll just never <laughs> see them um, So that's Black Bard. Uh mm. It's again It's on the Blazing Saddles uh, Blu-ray mm. It's a perfectly watchable 22 minutes it's, it, it's not bad. It's certainly it's, not terrible. It's, I've it's seen not worse. bad. I mean, for,
1: for something that they knew they were only making to get the rights on, a surprising yeah. amount of detail was put into it. And I imagine yeah. they would have had to do that just so people had hope about it.
0: Yeah. I'm, or maybe, maybe they, they did air it once. Maybe they were hoping it would be a hit, or maybe they just felt obligated to. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, Where would you? I mean, here's the thing. It's a sitcom in the 70s mm. with a very specific high concept. There's only so much you can do with it. There will be another crime. Bart will mm. solve it. There'll be some weird guest star yeah, who like, causes problems and/or seduces Bart. When, when
1: you look at other sitcoms from the seventies, like Hogan's Heroes, like yeah. F Troop, you know yeah. the, these are not fil- or films; these are not TV series known for their complex mythology or story arcs. These yeah. are these are uh, we, premises that they were able to stretch into many episodes. Yeah,
0: look at Gilligan's Island. There's they, mm-hmm. they managed to get a lot of weird stuff out of that. Like, yeah, let's <laughs> and here's the Gilligan's Island where they did a musical version of Hamlet. Why? Why would you do that? Because we're born. We have, we've run we're out of ideas. We're out of ideas completely. <laughs> remember when Agar and War Dress? Remember, uh, remember when the Harlem Globetrotters did a basketball game against robots on yeah. Gilligan's Island yeah, yeah, in a yeah. movie? That, or, was, good. that I, was what TV that. movies, like when, when you adapted a TV show into a movie back in the day... That's what it was. It was the Harlem Globetrotters had to play basketball against robots every single TV. time. My mother, the car, the movie had the Harlem Globetrotters versus robots. Uh, fucking uh, The Untouchables, the original mm. draft, had the Harlem Globetrotters versus robots. Brian De Palma retooled it. And oh, oh, for the bit. best, I think. Um, TV in the 1970s was pretty magical. <laughs> it was because a weird time. Well,
1: I mean, we live in an era now when, you know, like series on HBO get much more artistic uh, leeway and a lot more mm-hmm. money than certain feature films even. A lot so, of feature films. Uh, f- TV in the 1970s was more this sort of place what... It's what you did instead of mov- when you couldn't get movies. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, cartoon voices were what you did when you were like an alcoholic and you couldn't get any other work. Yeah. Uh, so it was th- it was about the sort of... L- sea level of celebrity just trying well, to scrape together anything they could it's this where, is where the star wars holiday special
0: started <laughs> to get like mixed into this stuff we'll do the star wars holiday special at some point here's the <laughs> thing here's the thing with tv and it's, it's completely inverted now which is kind of interesting mm. tv used to be where actors got noticed and then they became movie stars Uh nowadays you want to work in tv it's consistent work it's more quality work a lot of the time there's Mm. a lot more artistic consideration for something with ambition um a lot of people would prefer to work in television than movies yeah yeah um whereas in the 1970s mm. tv was
1: yeah what you did until you got a better job
0: yeah and occasionally there was like a hit show and you were very lucky to have it and maybe a great a big actor would go but do a uh, big a, cop show or you something ask about. a lot
1: of actors who have like iconic roles from the 60s and 70s mm. and uh, a lot of them are really ambivalent about it because yeah. it prevented them from getting better work yeah I mean talk to William Shatner sometime goodness <laughs> yeah. sake
0: yeah, you get typecast or, 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 or you, West, or you yeah, just get just, too busy and like, yeah, it becomes your it becomes your, your like rock. Every, you gotta make your yeah, bolder your thing.
1: Everybody knows you for the rest of your life and you will yeah. forever be associated with this and you have a huge fan base that really, really loves you and you can't get work.
0: Which is why it's maybe for the best that Black
1: Bart didn't air. Yeah, because we, we wouldn't have had, maybe Louis Gossett Jr. would have been stuck as Bart.
0: Maybe. I don't, maybe this would have been was, a
1: bigger hit than Blazing Saddles, I doubt it. I seriously uh, doubt.
0: I don't think if this show had aired it would have lasted long. It might have lasted a couple of seasons if every episode was as good as this pilot. The pilot's not bad. It's not bad. It's really not. Like it's, it's, it's certainly if, if the it's argument It's such a is, different
1: animal from Blazing Saddles yeah, though.
0: I think it would I think it's okay that that it, it is that.
1: Though. Yeah, it it, well, it wasn't it was, called Blazing Saddles the series, yeah. so it was kind of took Took the premise of Blazing Saddles, turned no. it around into something that was much more mainstreamy, 1970s well, sitcomy, I don't think you and could turned keep... out something
0: perfectly average. I don't think you could uh, keep Blazing Saddles going, at least mm-hmm. in terms of quality, on a weekly basis. I, I would be very, very surprised mm-hmm. if you could do that. In any sort with and keep any sort of consistent level of decent quality. Yeah. Um. And whereas well, this this mm-hmm. level of just you, you I think the word you use is affable oh. affability <laughs> with a little you know occasional a little shock humor here and there you know just keep keep the focus on Lou Gossett Jr. Make it almost like a black exploitation uh, heroic sitcom. Mm-hmm. You could keep that going for a while. A little. bit. I would actually argue that even I mean it's hard to argue that it was canceled too soon since it lasted four seasons and it never it. It's a weird, it's a weird animal. Mm. I I would say this is canceled too soon. I think I would have, I would have been perfectly fine seeing more episodes of this. I I wouldn't mind, I wouldn't mind have
1: seen it, seeing more. I'm not sure if this is the kind of show I would have tuned into for season after season. This is a show. Maybe I would have, I would have watched the first season at least. This is a show. Maybe have come back. Yeah, I
0: would have watched this in the mid afternoon on weekdays when I was home from school.
1: <laughs> there like know. like uh,
0: you know like when you're Next on like to, in, in my yeah. in
1: my day that was different strokes and small wonder yeah, but, yeah you're
0: you're at home on President's Day in the 1980s and at, in there's no cable and just on TV in the middle of the day you have either talk shows. Soap operas, golf, We're sick yeah. golf on weekends, but, and then you have sitcom reruns, <laughs> and that's what this would be. It would be on in between episodes of Gilligan's Island and maybe Mr. Belvedere. That would be. <laughs> we <laughs> just we, and, and Mama's Family. You know, yeah. you just got it right in the middle. We just and we got the rights to to that Blazing Saddles spinoff. There you go. Enjoy. Mm. And I would have tuned in. I would have thought it was okay. I would have had a couple of fun yeah. memories of it. I think it would have been done. Um, so that's Black Bart um, We don't get a lot of letters uh, For cancel um, too soon That aren't recommendations right. We get a lot of recommendations And please send us recommendations You can send them on Twitter We're at BMovies Podcast. I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibel You can also email us Podcast, All one word At gmail.com mm-hmm. And that's if you have any questions uh, Again suggestions We love them uh, but if you have like an actual letter You want to respond to something mm. Share your experience with the show uh, We will read them on the air Yeah um, we, we, we got a few letters that I'd like to
1: read on the air Since <laughs>
0: it's a short episode and we're doing a, mm. a, a quickie We have time to do some letters yeah. Let's do a couple of letters uh,
1: we, On our last episode we talked about Chuck Norris Karate Commandos A yes. 1986 uh, animated series And I had so much fun with that uh, one uh, I, I really was, did It was really really fun It was and terrible but it was the, so much fun uh, The uh, villainous organization that was out to foil Chuck Norris in the series was called Vulture. uh, And and that's an acronym. An acronym. V-U-L-T-O-R-E. And they never explained on the series what that stood for so we asked you, our dear listeners, to come up with some theories as to what this might stand for. Uh, Dan writes in and gave a suggestion. Okay. Uh, The villainous underground lobby to ultimately
0: rule Earth. That's pretty good. That's not bad. That's pretty good. Yeah, We got a a couple more on Twitter as well. Uh, Um, Here's one uh, from I don't know the individual's actual name, so I'm just oh, going to say... what just said Twitter handle. His Twitter handle is Dr. Deaton, uh, and he suggested, Villainous Underground League of Terrorists United to Rule with Evil, which is pretty solid. So, yeah, okay. Pretty good for an 80s show, and we had one more mm-hmm. that I really, See really that. liked. Hold on, it's, can... I'm, I'm, I'm looking for it. It's here. Fill uh, uh, time, fill time, tell that <laughs> joke. Uh what do you what so, do you well, what, what do you used, call a cow with no a, legs? Ground beef. Ha, here, here,
1: here, ha, ha Well, you were really impressed because they used the word usury. Yeah, in, in, in that their, was pretty uh, good. In their acronym. Where, oh, here where, we go. oh, Here we go. Uh, Villains United for Larceny, Terrorism, Usury, Racketeering, and Espionage. Uh, I that think comes, that's my uh, comes favorite. From, uh, El- 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 At Elliot Simon. I think that's um, my favorite just because usury is well, a good one. Also, uni- <laughs> Larceny, Terrorism, Usury, rac- Racketeering, Espionage, that's kind of what Spectre stood for back, oh, yeah. in, back in the day. So that's yeah. also very
0: James Bond evocative. But they're all pretty cool and I really appreciate good. everyone writing it.
1: Uh, we also got another letter from somebody who was a pretty closely, intimately Familiar with the legacy of Karate Commandos and how it somehow leaked into Ninja Turtles. Oh, let's find out. The new Ninja Turtles. Uh, This comes from Channing. Uh, He says, uh, hi guys, I love your show. I had a hazy recollection of Karate Commandos. Maybe I saw an episode growing up or maybe I dreamed it. Either way, your podcast was entertaining. I just wanted to bring your attention that the currently airing Emmy Award winning Nickelodeon Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series has a running joke about Chuck Norris Karate Commandos. There's usually an episode within the episode where the Turtles watch cartoons, and Mikey's favorite show is called Chris Bradford's Too Rough Crew. <laughs> <laughs> Chris uh, is number two R-U-F-F-K-E-K crew. Nice. Chris Bradford's Too Rough Crew. One of the recent episodes of Chris Bradford features him punching out sharks. Unlike the real Chuck Norris show, however, the moral in the episode of Chris Bradford usually relates to the larger episode of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and actually helps them from within the episode. So they they that's draw they draw in for, uh their lessons and information from the movie the show within the, the show. show within the show. That's, that's pretty uh, clever. I like that. Clearly, the Ninja Turtles writers are fans of Ruby Spears, as they also have a Turtles Watch episodes of a Thunder Thunder the Barbarian parody show that is also very funny. One if second,
0: Sergio's getting into the garbage. Sergio, oh my goodness. Away from the garbage, cat. Sergio's our mascot.
1: Yeah. Uh, if you're it's not a Russian blue, if you're not watching Ninja Turtles, and you really. Uh, and you really, you guys probably don't have the time, but it's a really funny, well-written show where the writers lovingly pay homage to great 80s action and sci-fi movies.
0: Yeah, I hear the new series is really yeah, good, actually. Uh,
1: clearly, they are big fans of John Carpenter, as there are episodes based around Escape from New York, The Thing, Christine, and one of my old favorites, Big Trouble in Little China. That's cool. Uh, the new Ninja Turtles embodies the anarchic energy of Saturday morning cartoon shows from the 80s, like Chuck Norris' Karate Commandos. Hmm. And it is a much better representation of the characters and comic books than any of the Michael Bay movies. They even had two episodes where the new 3D computer anim- Animated Ninja Turtles enter a parallel universe where they team up with the 2D animated
0: turtles from the 80s voiced by the original voice tagline. I have heard that that's actually a really good crossover because they've done one of that before in like the previous Teenage Ninja Turtles show yeah. and from what I, my understanding it was terrible. Um, I, I don't have a lot of time but, to watch something that we're not Rob, reviewing Rob but...
1: Paulsen played uh, one of the turtles in the 80s series, the yeah. 87 series and he played a different turtle in, yeah. in the updated series. Yeah, I heard so, about that, that's he, weird. And even he brought that up. It's like, you know, I played a different turtle. I can play that same turtle again. You know, yeah. However you guys want. I can play... And it's like, no, we want you to play... I, I forgot which ones he played, but yeah, it's like... Really weird. We went from being Raphael to Donatello or something. But
0: I have been watching some mm. contemporary cartoon stuff, and I must say, uh, the... They were both on Netflix. The new Danger Mouse is really funny. <laughs> and if you're not watching the new Voltron, you are missing out. It is really good. It's from a lot of the guys who did uh, mm. Avatar The Last Airbender, which is one of my favorite shows ever. Nice. It's really, really good.
1: And he says, uh, Keep up the great work. I'm a fan. I will tell anyone I find who has bizarro affection for long forgotten TV series, like I do, about your podcast. Thank since you. Channel. Appreciate that. Uh, yeah, thanks for, for that little tie in. Um, I. Chuck Norris karate commandos has strangely entered the, the consciousness, even though it only lasted five episodes. I yeah. think just because Chuck Norris is a thing,
0: Yeah, and everyone has IMDb now. Mm -hmm. It used to be you could do something random and obscure and it would fall away into the depths of Mm -hmm. history. Nowadays, you're, oh, I'm interested in Chuck Norris. I want to see what Chuck Norris has done. What the hell is Chuck Norris Karate Commandos? You do a Google search and and then you've entered into this nexus Mm -hmm. of of clips on YouTube and weird think pieces on nostalgia websites. And there's a lot (laughs) out there if you really want to
1: discover it. The the 1980s have entered this weird – there's a 20-year rule with nostalgia. You go back exactly 20 years from the present, and that's where nostalgia is the sharpest. It's 20,
0: Just about, yeah. it's
1: 2016. Everybody's talking about Space Jam, because it's 20 years old.
0: Oh, Space Jam. I
1: know. Space Jam, which is one of the worst things ever conceived oh. of by human human minds. It's it's kind really of bad. kind of like some of the death machines during World War II, but not quite as horrible.
0: Uh, <laughs> nice, um, as, long, as long as we're not hyperbolizing.
1: Or anything. <laughs> Space Jam is awful. Is it's point. not good. I'm, I'm not, uh, yeah. But you go back before the twenty-year demarcation, and all of a sudden it gets lost in this weird haze of camp yeah. that that the current generation doesn't really understand. And it's so, weirder now because Chuck the, Norris Karate Commandos is thirty years old, and mm-hmm. it's lost in this weird miasma of cultural misunderstanding. A lot of it, b- yeah. Leaking down in these weird ways to the present. But
0: even then, I feel like when you encounter people now who, thanks to the proliferation of television and multiple cable stations and home video, um, Popular culture operates in a different way than it ever has before in mm. the history of humanity. And nowadays, you know, if you were born five years after someone, your childhood experience and the stuff that you consumed artistically mm. is already dramatically different. Just within five years, yeah, I know yeah. people who are five years younger than I who have no idea what the hell I'm talking about after that.
1: <laughs> and it's and a it, very odd experience. And you're four years younger than me, so I know. It's, it's we we do have dramatically different. Up, it's upbringings, sometimes it's
0: really really weird. It's, sometimes it feels like so you're like, like ten years older than me. But we're not that far apart Also I'm an old grumpy
1: man I, I was yeah. an old grumpy man when I was 16 so. You were
0: You're an old grumpy man <laughs> well, thank, now And you're an old grumpy man when you are a child Thank
1: you for writing in If you have anything <laughs> to say about uh, Black Bart Or yeah. or Chuck Norris Or any of our uh, Cancel Too Soon episodes yeah, go, ahead, go ahead and write in uh, to our other podcast email, which is bmoviespodcast at gmail.com. We'll, we'll read it on the air if we get an
0: opportunity. And again, we're on and Twitter the, at bmoviespodcast. Mm-hmm. I'm at William Bibbiani. I'm at Winnie Seibold once uh, again. Uh, please uh, subscribe on iTunes if you haven't already. If you could leave us a review or just give us a quick star rating on iTunes, it really, 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 really helps us build an audience and give us more opportunities mm-hmm. uh, to keep the show alive because this one's just for us. This isn't at a company. We're not getting paid for it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the B Movies Podcast. We're connected uh, to Crave Online. There's another podcast we're working on right now. It's too early to announce <laughs> it. Who knows? But that would be that would actually be a bigger deal. Mm-hmm. But this one is ours. This one's just for us. So yeah. if you like it, uh, we you need to keep it going. Uh, tell some people about it. it would be really nice. Um, but even if it's just you and us, mm. uh, you're just you and me, audience <laughs> listener. I'm going to assume your name is Leon. <laughs>
1: Let's end the For show. For some reason. <laughs>
0: uh, we just really, really appreciate you listening. And we'll be back uh, next week with uh, our regularly scheduled program where we're going to be reviewing HBO's Vinyl by Popular Demand. Mm-hmm. Uh, so stick around. We'll be back. And... Dun, um, dun,
1: dun, 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 dun.
0: Yeah.